0: Hello, Tony G Nation. It is a big day today. For today's show, there is no Will McCormick, so it'll just be Tony G coming through this uh, podcast for you on the Tony G Show. But the reason I say it's a big day is because today is what I've been advertising for so long now that I will get the great opportunity to host the Norby Awards. Every year, I've been mentioning this for past episodes now, so forgive me if this is a repeated listening for you as 20G Nation if you've heard this before, but just for those who haven't, the Norby Awards is what the Athletics Department here at St. Norbert College, the school that Will and I go to, the school that I am the lead student broadcaster for and have such a close relationship with the Athletics Department, they have asked me to host this award that they throw on every year for the 600 student-athletes, all the coaches and the parents get to watch virtually as well, where they get to celebrate themselves as athletes uh, throughout the, the scholastic year and their recent accomplishments. So this is the 10th annual Norby Awards, and I'm so appreciative that St. Norbert College and the athletics department would think enough of me to have me host it. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, I am a student and they give me the opportunity to host. You know, usually they go with like a coach or sometimes it'll be student athletes with their coach or they'll bring in someone else. I know Mike Counter does a great job for the basketball, emceeing the basketball banquet. But to have a student come up and Just run the whole show and trust me with that. That's something I appreciate, and I can't wait to do that. Uh, I'm not going to admit that I'm nervous, but maybe I am a little bit. It's not not nervousness. It's just I'm really, with this opportunity, I want to come through for the athletics department and make sure that it's a great event. So I'm making sure I have two separate scripts of the entire event printed out, and I'm ready to go. I'm prepping myself. I'm going to dress nicely, a big old suit and tie. So it's going to be fancy Tony G down at the Norby Awards later tonight. But looking forward to that amazing opportunity and making it a really fun night. Got some jokes built in about (laughs) about some athletes, coaches, and even other members of the St. Norbert College community. So it's going to be a fun night. I look forward to it. That's why tonight is such a huge night for Tony G and Tony G Nation. Can't wait to do it again. So appreciative of the opportunity to do so. Again, this Thursday... We've been saying this for for episodes and episodes now. This Thursday is going to be released our, I should say it like this, we're going to release our NFL draft special. So the draft starts on Thursday, which is the 28th of April. And earlier that day, before the draft starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, the episode of the Tony G Show will release at noon. So you'll have a couple hours to listen to it. Maybe I might even go 10 a.m. So you have all day to listen to it. You know, if you take a lunch or whatever, if you go somewhere for lunch or commute, whatever. I'll release it early in that day, early in the morning. So that will be our draft special with our draft expert and college football expert, Matthew Swanson. And he, listen, I want to be transparent about things. He is just one of our friends. You know, Will, Matt, Swanson, and I. Uh, as well as Matthew Weaver did Core 4 a few years ago on SNC Radio and we've kept in touch all four of us. Uh, Weaver has graduated but Matthew Swanson, you know, and Will and I are on this show, the Tony G show, and Matthew Swanson. He is, you know, just another one of my classmates, just another student at this school that I've grown a friendship with, but I really mean this that he knows what he's talking about. He is he wants to become a scout. He has had experience doing stuff for the Hula Bowl as an intern and he knows what to look for in prospects, or at least he's starting to hone this young skill of finding talent when others might not see it or starting to rank them in terms of a draft hierarchy. So he really does know what he's talking about. Give that episode a listen. It won't be just us giving him the – that's what it is. We're giving him a platform to talk and and really get his insight for our show and our content, but it will be a discussion-based episode. Will, Matt, and I will all be in on it. It won't just be Matthew Swanson, but it is a platform for him to speak on what he knows because he is a guy who knows so much. So that's going to be a great episode. It'll drop on Thursday. Then next Tuesday is the Jason Fonder special, the last ever Jason Fonder special. You know we have Jason on at least once a season, and we usually do, do it toward the back end of the season just because that's the way things work out. And so it happened again this season, in season eight, where it'll be the 24th episode of season eight, which also means it's the second to last episode of of the Tony G Show ever, as the next Thursday will be our final episode. Just me and Will here on the Tony G Show. We will sign off for that. It's going to be a sad one. It's going to be a sad couple of episodes, but it's going to be a good couple of episodes. For today's episode, where I'm riding solo, no Will McCormick, he'll be back on Thursday for the Matthew Swanson episode and Tuesday, and he'll be back for every episode from here on out. But for today's show, got a couple interesting segments that I want to discuss with you today. The first segment, we're going to do baseball, then we're going to go basketball. The first segment with baseball. I am convinced that this is the season that is going to drive Major League Baseball to use robot umpires. It's the it's it's what's going to happen. There's no other way about it. That is what's going to happen, and this is going to be the season. When we look back on the breaking point, yeah, there's been bad calls in playoffs or postseason. There's been bad calls throughout the scope of a umpire's career. But this is the season. When we look back on it, and we have robot umpires in baseball, we'll look back on it and think this was the season that did it in. I'll tell you why in segment one. Segment number two, Ben Simmons back issue. I'm going to say what not many people are saying, and that is on Ben Simmons' side. For someone of my stature who has been you know, a, a sports opinionated person, I have been against Ben Simmons, but I'm going to be pro-Ben Simmons in this discussion. I'll tell you why in segment two. And then segment three, these protests – at NBA games are just getting out of hand. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. So, we'll talk about that to conclude the show. But that's our show today baseball, Ben Simmons, and then the NBA protests at playoff games. It's a great episode. At least I hope it is. No Will McCormick today, so we'll see if I can keep this thing on the rails. But other than that, let's get to the intro. You can follow everything Tony G show at TonyGNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony G Nation. Follow me on Instagram at Tony Giordano. Follow Will at Willis5312. And uh, his Instagram as well, Augustus Media. Uh, he posts his pictures and um, very good with the camera. Will is so. Those are some plugs for our social media. Let's get into today's show, season eight, episode number twenty-two of the Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. Snow on a day like today. Soft flurries, I mean, nothing major, nothing that's going to accumulate on the ground, but, you know, open the door to Tony G Studios outside, the patio door that we have here in this beautiful studio that we have. And the cold hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, oh my gosh, this isn't like, this is a dense cold. This isn't like a cold, cold where it's like, you know, oh, this is like a cute cold. It's like 40 degrees, but you can tell it's spring. And it's, you know, it's like a breezy day or a chilly day. This is a dense cold. All right, this is a cold that'll slap you in the mouth and let you know who's boss. You know what I'm saying? And not to mention the flurries of snow. People, it's almost May. Golly, let's get out of this cold weather thing I you know and I I really do believe that this Punxsutawney Phil or whatever this Groundhog Day is back in February when he sees his shadow and that means six more months of winter I really do believe that last month or excuse me last year 2021 he didn't see it we had a warm spring this year he saw it we supposedly six more weeks of winter and now we're having 20 degree snow in the back end of April almost early May but in transitioning to today's content I said it in the open, and I really do mean it. This is the breaking point season that is going to drive some sort of conversation and some sort of change in Major League Baseball where we are going to have robot umpires or an automated strike zone or a computer telling us if a pitcher's pitch, a close pitch, or maybe in some cases not even close pitches, are balls or strikes. Usually this is a conversation conversation that is ignited and developed late in the season when games start to really matter. You know, down the stretch in September when teams are, are jockeying for playoff positions and, you know, the team that's a couple games back is fighting against a team that's leading the, the division or a wild card. And, te- and games really start to matter and have an impact. Not that they don't all season. I'm a baseball guy, so I'd make the argument that every game matters. But going down the stretch is when it really, like the tensions really get heightened And the importance on each game is really dialed up a bit. And especially into the postseason, you know, after the regular season and late September, early October rolls around. This is usually when we see important games and games really start to matter for teams trying to win a World Series. And so with the heightened attention and the heightened value on each game and each pitch, that's when we start to see this problem get exposed in baseball that you know major league baseball umpires have this fault within them most of them do not all of them some of them are really good but most of them have this fault that they don't have a feel for the strike zone and it's just the way it's going now that this year like i said usually we have this conversation develop september into october but this year we've started to see it we're not even out of april and not to mention the season started late so we're only what not even 20 games in and we are already seeing a call for robot umpires. We're already seeing 20 games in as compared to other seasons where it starts to develop September, October ish. Already in April, not even 20 games in, we're seeing conversations develop for a robot umpire or an automated umpire or some sort of ability. I mean, I, I saw on Twitter yesterday Justin Verlander a, a replied to a tweet about having robot umpires and he said, you know, maybe we're getting towards that automated strike zone type of environment, looking for the right word here, type of um, generation in baseball where we just need computers to help us make calls. And he said, Justin Verlander in this tweet said, maybe an appeal process where, you know, if there's a, a pitch that's obviously, I mean, a ball and it's called a strike or a strike and it's called a ball, then we can go to review and if it's You know, if the team loses that challenge and they lose it, they can't use it the rest of the game. I don't know what the real solution is here, but something does have to give. And I think something is going to give. And I think when we look back, when we finally get to this point where we have robot umpires and we have automated strike zones and we have computers telling us what's a strike and what's a ball, when we get to that point, we're going to look back and think what what really spurred this on. You know, when I think of what, brought on the review process in Major League Baseball. I think everyone thinks of the Armando, Armando Galarraga perfect game or near-perfect game back in, like, 2010, 2011. And replay was brought on a couple years after that. I mean, it wasn't like that happened and then, boom, you know, we got, we got replay. Uh, but, like, for the NFL, for example, a few years ago when there was the Fail Mary in Seattle and Green Bay Packers, Seattle, and both a defensive player and an offensive player came down with the ball in the end zone for the last play of the game. One official issued a, a touchdown call. One official ra- uh, was waving his hands as if to say it's an interception and, t- and a touchback. And back then, that was the, the fill-in officials. You know, It wasn't the real officials because the NFL officials were on strike. Their union, you know, they wanted changes, and so it was like the fill-in guys who weren't as good. And that was the moment. I mean, when we look back and we think on why referees get paid the amount they do, and we look back on what sparred that change, it was the fail-mary play. Or, you know, like I was saying with replay, there's a couple plays where it's like that is as obvious as it gets, and the human error got in the way of a, of a great moment in baseball. So with this, I think we're going to look back on this season and maybe one umpire in, a, in, in particular and say this is what brought on this change of having a robot umpire this this discussion for me came last sunday this is a tuesday episode of the tony g show last sunday on sunday night baseball phillies brewers i usually watch it you know i get from, I'm from a wisconsin market so i wasn't just watching for the sake of watching a brewer game i was watching you know i would have been watching if it was phillies mets or whatever you know i usually watch sunday night baseball because it's prime time. You know, it's usually when people, the way that Major League Baseball does it on Sunday is that all the games are usually done or played in the afternoon or sometimes morning now with the new contract they have with um, Peacock Network and the NBC studios or whatever they do. And there is only one afternoon game that starts at six o'clock and that is Sunday night baseball. ESPN carries it. And that is like prime time baseball. Throughout, they, they do it the entire season. So this is when everybody's watching. You know, ESPN, late Sunday night, you know, you're packing your lunch for the week or, you know, you're getting ready and you just have baseball in the background. This, everyone around the country is watching this. Maybe not everyone. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But you get what I'm saying. It's a primetime event in Major League Baseball. So this is when baseball has to showcase their best teams, their best rivalries, and their best games, you know, in terms of closeness. They can't have 10 to nothing blowouts every night on Sunday Night Baseball because it has to be close. It has to be meaningful for the primetime audience. So primetime last Sunday, Phillies and Brewers. And the one thing that the Major League Baseball as, as a unit, as an organization, as a company messed up was having Angel Hernandez behind home plate. Angel Hernandez, for the last couple of years, has been one of the most talking talking points, one of the most talked about Major League Baseball umpires ever. Because what had happened is he's historically bad. Especially behind the plate, and I'm not—you know—I'm not just saying that to be mean or rude. That's just how it is. He has been historically bad as a major league umpire over the course of his entire career, strike zone, or in the field, or this or that—you know—calling whatever. And not to mention, he's been very controversial. He's been very someone who is very stubborn about his his uh, point of view and his perspective. So he's someone who's not going to give in a lot. But over the course of the last couple of years, Angel Hernandez. And this happened a couple years ago where he sued Major League Baseball because Angel Hernandez is of a non-Caucasian descent. And so he cited that the reason he tried to bring Major League Baseball to court and cited that the reason he's not getting World Series games and he's not getting appointed to be a crew chief and he's not getting raises and promotions and whatever is because of his descent that is non-Caucasian. So Angel Hernandez tried to sue and say the Major League Baseball is racist. He wants some compensation. And then in court, a federal judge in court said, and he said it in a wordy way. I'm not going to say word for word what happened, but just to give you the conclusion, said that Angel Hernandez is not a good on buyer. Paraphrasing, of course, he said he he does not show the leadership. He does not show the productivity. He does not show the consistency that is required to get a promotion, to get a raise, to get that bump up. Angel Hernandez is a bad umpire, and a federal judge said that. So Angel Hernandez got no compensation. Major League Baseball won this suit. But because Angel Hernandez is part of the umpire's union, as I just mentioned in the NFL, there's a referee union, there's an umpire union. Hernandez is part of that, and he gets protected by that union. And so Major League Baseball cannot do anything about it. They cannot fire him. They cannot demote him. Angel Hernandez has had his job long enough to have some sort of security in his, in his position to not get bumped down. And this really has been a talking point for years, Angel Hernandez, because he has just been a bad umpire. Pitches that are not close, pitches that are in big moments, calls that are missed, just in big games. It seems like, and I'm not exaggerating to this point, where if you live on Twitter enough, you know what it takes to get trending. And it seems like every single week, Angel Hernandez is trending as a major league umpire. Whether it's missed calls behind the plate. Whether it's missed calls in the field. Whether he's ejecting someone for something small. Angel Hernandez has historically been one of the worst umpires ever. Ever. And it's getting to the point where, and just in this game on Sunday, I mean, some of these big moments, Angel Hernandez screwed... Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, screwed Gene Segura, screwed Omar Narvaez, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, and the big one came with Kyle Schwarber, a pitch that was outside. It was close. It was close, but it was definitely outside. Called strike three on Kyle Schwarber, second out of the ninth inning when the the Phillies are down by one. If it would have been called a ball like it should have been, it was outside, Kyle Schwarber would have gotten first base with his three-ball count, and that ball being ball four, he would have walked And now it's a one-out base runner situation for the Phillies instead of two outs, nobody on. You know, maybe getting a little momentum. And Angel Hernandez took that away. You know, it's one thing to miss a call in like the second or third inning, but it's another thing to miss calls in the ninth. And it's on both sides, and that was Kyle Schwarber's argument. He, you know, slammed down his bat, slammed down his helmet, and really let Angel Hernandez have an earful. And you could see it It was a visible display of frustration And no one blamed him. Like, that's the thing. No one blames him. Everyone's just like, yeah, Angel Hernandez is a bad umpire and kind of moves on. Because it's like, yeah, this has happened before and it's going to continue happening. I remember a few years ago when Angel Hernandez was calling box on Mark Burley, the left-handed pitcher for the White Sox, in a move that he had gotten... Away with, you know, and it's close whether he breaks that plane up. I think it's like 45 degrees or not. And Andy Pettit, you know, is famous for doing that. Mark Burley was doing that, and he didn't think he was balking. Angel Hernandez kept calling time and saying that's a balk. I think he ruled Mark Burley balked two or three times. And finally, it's like early in the game. I think he has two balks, and it's like the first or second inning. And Burley says something, he's not happy, and Angel Hernandez ejects him. Angel Hernandez just altered the entire scope of that game because he ejected one of the. Mark Burley at the time was one of the best pitchers in baseball, a guy who has thrown a perfect game in his career, someone who has always been productive and a force on the mound for the White Sox throughout the course of his career. And Hernandez ejects him. Well, he just altered that entire scope of the game just like he did on Sunday, a ninth inning call that could have changed the entire complexion of the game. Gene Segura was up. I think the bases were loaded, and there was a curveball that was dropped in by Eric Lauer inside, and it was called a strike. And it's like, dude, that's just not even close. Like, that's the point that I bring up that it was a Brewer game because it's like I'm from a Wisconsin market, and I don't like to show bias. And so that just helps my argument that I'm like, dude, that's a terrible call. You know, I'm – of the rooting interest of the team with the pitcher on the mound, you know, in the tight situation with bases loaded. And that team just got gifted a strike call by a bad call. And I'm, I'm even like, dude, come on. It's like, what do you do? And Segura is like, you know, he just has to swing at anything now because who knows what's a strike and what's a ball. Cause it's all going to get called. So Segura swings at another curveball inside just cause he has to, just cause it's going to be called a strike. If Angel Hernandez, if it's if it's up to Angel Hernandez to decide, so Segura has to pop it up, and the inning is over. Phillies don't score. Phillies end up one nothing loss that game. They didn't score that whole night. And if you mean to tell me that that's not in some sort of capacity due to Angel Hernandez, then you're wrong. Now I know I've kind of gone on an Angel Hernandez um, focus here, but it's not just Angel Hernandez. It is pretty much. Every major league umpire. And it, at some point, at what point is it like you don't fault these guys? At what point do you say, you know, that's just human error and you move on? And where do you draw that line of now it's getting egregious? Because now I think it's getting egregious. The fact that every major league umpire has mi- is missing calls. You know, there are interesting pages on Twitter um, that tweet out umpire scorecards or the ump show that just show umpires taking over a game or umpire scorecards is a really great page because it breaks down the entire analytics, all the math. And it's like a whole algorithm to show how accurate that umpire was behind the plate and tweeting out, you know, it's like a picture of the entire scorecard of the biggest calls missed the most, most important calls missed the worst calls that they had and their accuracy behind the plate. And it's getting to a point now where it's like every day there is in some sort of capacity an umpire taking over the game behind the plate in a bad way and we're getting to this point now and like i said earlier at the start of this discussion that it's no it's not like it's october september where games are starting to matter this is like mid april we are not even 20 games into the major league baseball season and we are already having these conversations of we need automated strike zones we need a, a computer umpire and we need better ball and strike calls behind the home behind home plate this cannot continue to happen and screw-up games. And I and th- that's the argument here, is it's it's not just a problem, right? It's not just like a, a consistent problem with one or two umpires. It is, but it's getting worse, like progressively worse. And I don't know if it's the start of the season and the shortened spring training and guys behind the home plate are just not, you know, uh, up to their midseason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's depth perception and, you know, you just don't have the skill to be a good umpire. I don't know. But we're getting to a point where something's got to change. Something has to give and something's going to give. Now, I don't know what the best way to go about this is. Um, I know that – I think it's like the independent league where they have a computer call balls and strike the entire game. You know, in baseball, side note here, quick side note, has gotten to the point where I – I enjoy watching it more with a strike zone, you know, on the broadcast than before. And this is something that's new. I mean, only five years old or so where, you know, you watch a Brewer game or you watch on ESPN or some some national network. And they have the strike zone, the little box up there. Um, and you can see the pitches where it is in the strike zone when it crosses home plate and if it's a ball or strike or not. And so that really starts to amp up conversation of, wow, this guy's having a bad day behind home plate or, wow, this guy's really good. But it's getting to the point where I can't watch. Well, I can watch. I can always watch baseball. I love the game of baseball. But I enjoy watching less when there is no strike zone up there. You know, even if the broadcast team is like having technical issues and they can't have it up for like a half inning, I'm like, dude. Get that thing out there. I want to see, you know, it's just, I'm so programmed now after years of watching baseball with this strike zone that I'm getting to a point of, I got to have that thing up there. Put that thing on on the TV. I don't care if it's going to show bad results of the umpire. I want to see that thing. I want to see how close these pitches are. I want to see how good this pitcher is throwing. If he's dotting the corners, you know, I, 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 it's getting to the point where I'm watching that and needing that in order to fully enjoy watching the game. I mean, I, like I said, I still can't love the game of baseball, but it's just so programmed that I'm so used to that now. Here's the thing that I was going to mention after that quick side note, is I don't know what the the real answer is or what the real solution is. And, you know, you can tweet at me what you think at Tony G Nation. You know, reach out to me any way you can, TonyGNation.com, even Will at Willis5312. But I think the best way to go here is to have, I mean, what's the worst thing? If you have a computer strike zone telling you if it's a ball or a strike and the umpire can make calls or, you know, every single call, there is a, like, it has to happen in an instant where it crosses the home plate, the computer says it's a ball or a strike, and the umpire gets it through, like, an earpiece or something like that, and he either rules strike or he says ball or or whatever. And that way we have more consistent umpire play there's no you don't I don't think there's a solution here that removes the umpire behind home plate because you know what happens with a play at the plate or a foul ball or something like that you just have to have someone there with eyes and ears on the game can't let a computer do everything but for balls and strikes it's getting to that point now where we need robot umpires and I think that's that's a that's a dramatic term robot umpires you know for someone who's not privy to this conversation they'd think of a real umpire out there calling balls and strikes and that's not what that means it just means having a computer tell you what's a ball and what's a strike and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world you know there's a lot of talk in this day and age about technology and the impact it has on life and day-to-day life at that but I think for this part of the game it's just really necessary I mean what do you lose if you remove that part of the game of the umpire of the human era behind home plate. Now you, I mean, look what happens with replay. How many umpires save themselves from getting ejected because they don't have to go out and argue with an umpire over a call that was made that cannot get overturned? They just sit there. They have someone call, you know, back in the in the clubhouse or whatever, with someone watching the game saying, hey, that, that call was wrong, have that reviewed. They review it. And within a couple minutes, the call is overturned. The right call was made and boom, the game can continue. No one has to get ejected. So I think what the, the point I'm making here is that the change from reviews in Major League Baseball has had a positive impact. Now, it's not the best look on an umpire to get a call wrong, but I guess you just have to set aside your ego for the sake of the game. And I think that's the same case here for Major League Baseball with automated strike zones. I think we're getting to a point now where that has to happen. Where we, we can't help it, but it's getting to a point where it's we're, we're going to have computer strike zones and we're going to look back on why we have computer strike zones and think that this was the season that did it in. You know, like I said with the earlier examples, there are other plays where you look back and you think, man, that was what did it. That's why we have replay in Major League Baseball. That's why that the referees and their union struck a deal with the NFL because of that play call that they got wrong and it just cost a, an entire game and shifted the course of a team or two's season. And now you look back on, on this particular example, we're going to look back on this season and think this was the season that did the human error behind home plate in. This is what did it. We're going to get computer strike zones. I also I have a few minute, minutes here, and I have this in the show plan, so I want to talk about this. There's a lot of um, flack being thrown towards umpires. Now, I'm on the umpire side here where there's a lot of flack for them enforcing the timing rule that Major League Baseball and baseball leagues all over the world are trying to implement procedures for a quicker game, which I am against. I'm against that. I'm against the rule of trying to speed up the game. But in the case of the umpires enforcing that, people are calling at them saying it's an ump show saying they're taking over the game. Listen, they're just enforcing the rules they're told to. You know, whether someone steps out of the box when they're not supposed to or whether a pitcher is not speeding up and then that means an automatic strike or a ball and w- whatever it might be. I get that. It's I, I'm not a fan of that. You know, Bryce Harper was interviewed on that Sunday Night Baseball that I was just talking about, Phillies and Brewers, and he said, he mentioned something of there's an increased chance for injury in this game when you try to speed up the game of baseball. You know, when pitchers try to speed up and don't think things as slow as usual. There is an increased chance of injury. When you try to speed things up, just do things at your own pace. Baseball is a game that is played slowly. You know, quit trying to shave 15 minutes off a game. You know, what is implementing a a 20 second pitch clock going to do, really? There are some guys that can get the ball and just step right back on the mound and throw the next pitch. Listen, that's part of the game. That some players are like that, some players aren't. Some players like to get the ball and walk around the mound and, you know, really get themselves mentally prepared for the next pitch, or whatever it might be, whatever the reason is. Some guys are just like that. They take things slow. Get over it. That's the game of baseball. So I'm not for implementing rules to make the game quicker, but when the umpires are left with no other decision and their higher-ups come down on them and say, we got to speed the game up, start enforcing rules of pitch clocks, start enforcing guys who step out of the box, when they're not supposed to start enforcing these rules and whatever penalties the teams have, they're going to have to learn from it. The umpires are just doing what they're told in this case scenario. You can't get on the umpires for that. Like I said, there's this page on Twitter that's uh, called the Ump Show. Listen, I get that there are, st- like, I get that they're stupid rules, but the umpires are just doing what they're supposed to. Like this is their job, so you cannot fault them for enforcing the rules that they are instructed to enforce. Just a part of the game that I, I had to mention on because there is a lot of flack uh, going towards umpires so far in the baseball season at all levels. It's not just Major League Baseball, it's college and it's minor leagues and it's independent leagues and I'm sure it's going to be the Northwoods League this summer. I think that there are just ways that the most powerful forces in the game are trying to speed up the game to increase their profitability and that's not right. I'm all for a capitalistic society. That's what we live in. But it's getting to a point now where it's too much. Now you're asking guys to get injured. Not asking them to get injured, but you're, you're flirting with injuring some of your major talent because you're asking them to speed up when they're not ready to, when they aren't programmed to do it that way, when they've been working at a slow pace their entire life, and all of a sudden you, have to, you tell them the minute that that ball hits the glove of your catcher, you have 20 seconds to throw your next pitch. And not to mention that that's deciding with your catcher what pitch to throw next. So it's rushing the mental side of the game, and I, I don't know. Maybe the, the side effect of that is that pitchers aren't going to be ready, and you know, maybe if they're not going to get injured, they're going to be throwing wrong pitches, and maybe that'll increase the offense, and that'll increase their profitability or the intention of the game. But it's just not doing it in a genuine way. So I can't get behind some of these rules that try to increase the pace of the play of, of baseball. But that's our baseball discussion. Again, always reach out and let me know what you think. Doesn't have to be a one way show. This can be a two way stream. Let the Tony G show know what you think about uh, Major League Baseball, baseball in general, and just umpires. Moving on to segment two, switching from baseball to basketball. I want to talk about the whole Ben Simmons back issue thing, where, you know, Simmons just happened on Sunday again. Ben Simmons, the basketball player, woke up with back soreness on Sunday and was ruled out for game four of Nets versus Celtics. Um, and what ended up happening, happening was the Celtics swept the Nets with a 116-112 win last night. And so it's a clean sweep. The Nets are out of the playoffs again. Here's why this is a big deal for Ben Simmons is because people are making this a big thing that, you know, the Nets acquired Simmons in February at the deadline, along with guys like Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, uh, and draft picks for James Harden, Paul Millsap. It was a big trade, sending those players to Philly as well. So it was a big deal. Ben Simmons got traded from Philly to Brooklyn, has not played since that trade with a herniated disc. Here's what I want to say. My argument here is that I'm usually against Ben Simmons. You know, I'm anti-Ben Simmons when it comes to having respect for him. He doesn't have much respect in my heart, and I'll get to that in a second. But him sitting out because of this injury is reasonable, okay? It's it's more than I think people are making it seem. It's Ben Simmons has been tainted, (laughs) to say the least, in terms of his public perspective, especially around the basketball world. And me too. You know, like I said, I'm anti Ben Simmons. I don't have a lot of respect for him for many reasons. And reasons to not like Simmons are as follows. He hasn't lived up to the potential. You know, he came out of LSU as this big guy who had a lot of talent and a lot of potential to be one of the best players in basketball. And he hasn't lived up to that potential. He hasn't played like it flat out. Not to mention, he can be dramatic. There's a lot of cases off the court or even on the court where Ben Simmons has lost respect. I think the big thing was after this trade, and we talked about it on the Tony G Show back in February, after this trade that sent him from Philly to Brooklyn, Joel Embiid, his teammate for a long time, tweeted out that picture, that meme, that pretty much meant he's not sorry to see Ben Simmons go. Pretty much means good riddance. You know, don't let the door hit you on your way out kind of thing. So, A lot of people made a lot of attention, brought a lot of attention to the fact that Joel did not like playing with Ben Simmons. And so that was another reason that Ben Simmons lost respect. Not to mention the whole, he couldn't play at LSU because of the grades thing. He didn't have the grades to to participate in the action. So, I mean, there's a lot of things working against Ben Simmons. And rightfully so. You know, there's a lot to make fun of Ben Simmons for in terms of he hasn't just, he just has not lived up to, to potential. He's been overrated his entire career. He, you know, he, he has a terrible shot, <laughs> a terrible shot, that's to put it frankly. And he's lost a lot of respect for his drama, for the way he plays, for the, for the type of character that he is. You know, it, it doesn't help that he is on the bench. You know, it's one thing to not play and say you're injured, and I'll get to that in a moment. But it's another thing to do that and then dress like a fool on the sideline. You know, he has on all this designer stuff. He has on sunglasses and he has on a, a designer jacket and he has on nice fancy pants and a nice fancy shirt and he has on a bunch of jewelry. And it, it's like he's sitting, and there's this picture where he's sitting on the bench for the Nets, and everyone around him is decked out in Brooklyn Nets gear. I mean, you mean to tell me that you are injured. Okay, that's reasonable. I'll I'll make that argument in a second. But you mean to tell me that you're not you are so above dressing the part I mean, you can't even throw on like a, like a Brooklyn Nets warm-up. You can't even throw on like a suit. You know, guys will miss games. They'll sit out and they'll throw on a nice suit. They'll look nice and respectable. You look like you just came from a hip-hop festival sitting on the bench while your team gets swept in the playoffs. What a terrible look. What a clown. You know, I, and I'm not faulting him for sitting up because of this back thing. Like I said, I'll make that argument in a second. But to do, do it in this manner... Where you just look like a fool, where you look like you don't care, where you look like you're not invested, where you're more worried about how you look in terms of your appearance with your nice jacket and your nice glasses and your big fancy jewelry. You're more worried about how you look instead of the way your team is playing. It is so ironic to me that he would dress like that and have his team that he's a part of get swept in the playoffs to the Celtics. Everyone's out there playing their heart out. You watched that game last night. All series long, it's been close games. But last night, KD and Kyrie, and everybody is playing their hearts out. And here Ben Simmons is dressed like a fool on the sideline. Whatever, man. You do your thing. But as for the back thing, back issues are not to be messed with and taken lightly. Okay, so that's where I can see. You know, people are like, oh, he doesn't have that competitive spirit and that competitive fire. It's not like the guy played and, like, sprained his, his wrist or his ankle and then he, like, missed the first three games of the series and woke up and was still sore and was like, nah, I'm not going to play. Like, this is a back injury that cost him his entire career with the Nets so far. Like, he, he this trade, he hasn't played a game. All right? Like, back, back issues are not to be rushed. They're not to be messed with. I mean, they're very serious and important. They can be chronic problems that, that follow athletes from season to season. So that's where I kind of lose the public opinion there, because I'm not listen, and, and that's another thing, too, is like sports for consumers are just entertainment, you know, you're invested in your fans. But it's pretty much entertainment. So to ask someone to put their, their physical body on the line when they're not ready to I'm not I'm not for that. You know, I'm for people playing through injuries. You know, if you're tough and you can take that, sure. But with things like a back injury or like a hamstring, like that's something to not take lightly. That's something that can continue throughout the course of an entire career. That's not something to be rushed. So I'm with Ben Simmons there. But again, the fact that he, you know, it's like I'm with Ben Simmons for sitting out and opting not to play and saying, you know, he still has soreness. And whether he really does or not, no one can know. But if he says he does, then we have to take it as though he does. And so you can't fault him for that. But to dress like a complete fool on the sideline? Get out of here, man. I mean, like, I'm so tired of your character. He has given off that persona. Like, that's what it's been. That's the reason that people don't like him. Sure, he hasn't lived up to potential. But the fact that he has this persona that just gives off vibes of having a massive ego. It's something you can't look past. It's something you have to you have to look at and analyze and think, you know, this guy is his big his head is too big for you know any doorway. I mean, he can't he has such a huge and inflated ego that it's getting to the point where he's not even supporting his team. You know, you don't have to be out there. You don't absolutely have to. If you're still injured, you're injured. But if you're going to dress like a fool on the sideline, you might as well not even show up to the facility. If you're more worried about your designer jacket and your glasses and your fancy jewelry, than you are at least throwing on a suit or at least throwing on some Nets gear to rep your team and to be there for your team, to be somewhat invested, then I'm tired of you, man. I can't I can't back you up. I'm sitting here trying to on my own podcast, but I can't do it anymore. If you're going to sit there and look like a fool while your team gets swept in the playoffs, I tell you what, all the power to you then. Hit the road. And I'm sure he's listening to this, you know, as widely popular as the Tony G Show is. But I get to speak my mind here. And, you know, it's. and here's another interesting facet to throw in there. There's been reports that Joel Embiid has a torn ligament in his thumb and he's going to play through it in the postseason for Philadelphia. So your old teammate that's pretty much said, don't let the door hit you on your way out, is going to play through injury for his team and his franchise where you're going to sit there and dress like a fool on the sideline while your team gets swept. How good does your persona look now? Tired of it. What a, what a massive ego. Going from one basketball subject to another. The protests at these NBA games are just getting out of hand. I mean they're, they're getting ridiculous. they're getting to the point where it's like come on now. Saturday night a woman attempted to rush the court at a NBA game in a official's uniform. He was she was dressed like a referee. Uh, this is again per direct action everywhere. this is the source that I got this from and she was going out to blow the whistle on the court and dressed in this uniform and stop play and issue a technical foul and ejection to Timberwolves team owner, Glenn Taylor. Um, Also found some of this information by at Q Huffler 55 on Twitter. So sources have been given for where I'm getting this information. What happened? What ended up happening is you could see, it. you know, there was highlight footage of it. There's a security guard sitting in the same row, a couple seats away. She gets up and attempts to storm the court and do this little thing where she's going to protest Glenn Taylor. And, the security guard was right on it. The minute she hopped up and was going to get out on the court, he himself bolted through the sideline, through the next row, and tackled her, and she wasn't able to get any sort of momentum towards her protest. So good for that that security guard. Um, and for what everybody is – and this, is like the, uh, this has happened multiple times. A few weeks ago, another protester chained herself to the basket at a Wolves game. There's been another occurrence so far. And what I could find – On Glenn Taylor and why they're protesting him is for animal abuse or something like. There's not a lot of. It's not that I don't care. You know, I'm getting off this perspective that this that like there's not a lot of information. That's not really a big deal, but that's not what it is. I'm just I can't find a lot of information on it. I can't. You know, Tony G does his homework, but I don't know what exactly it is. There's something about a farm and animal abuse and. Uh, a flu with his livestock, I don't know, something like that. I can't find a lot of information. Again, I'm not downplaying it and sweeping it under the rug. I just can't find a lot of information on it, so there's no point in beating uh, beating it down. So there's been protests against Glenn Taylor. And the argument here is, listen, I'm all for freedom of speech. I'm all for protesting within reason. But just for the sake of the game as a sports fan, knock it off already. Get over it. I mean, there are another ways there are other ways to do this. And I get protests are supposed to be attention seeking. And I don't mean that in a way that like you have a big ego and you need attention, but I mean it in a way that you want it to be seen. You want it to be you want people to be upset about it so that they see it and eventually there's some change brought upon it. I get it. But like I said, just for the sake of the game and just for me being a fan of basketball, knock it off. I mean there are other ways to do this. You know, protest outside the stadium if you want. Protest, I don't know, on social media. You know, start a movement, sure. But to run out and ruin some games, and not even ruin, you know, I I won't give them the satisfaction of ruining games, but to just make a fool of yourself chaining yourself to a basket and having to get carried out, having to get physically carried out of the stadium. You just look like a fool. We talk about Ben Simmons looking like a fool on the sideline. Well, if you're going to get carried out by six security guards, come on now. There are other ways to do this. That you mean to tell me that is the best way? See, and it's not because this has continued to happen. This has persisted from game to game, and it's to the point now where I, I you know, I, I know about it, but I don't know what they're protesting. I can't find anything on what exactly they're protesting against Glenn Taylor. So was it really working? No. Go about it in a different way then. Just had to say my piece there. It's getting in the way of games. I mean, you look like a like a fool getting carried out and tackled and. It's like, it, it, I, I'm all for if you want to protest in your case. But now people are cheering against you when they see you getting carried out because no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. And it, you know, it's not, it's not funny to anybody. That's not cute to anybody. It's it's just old. So I had to say my piece about that. That is our episode today. I find it a very compelling episode. Made a lot of arguments. Very confident in today's episode. Only three episodes of the Tony G Show Ever ever will remain episode number 171 172 and 173 in the history of the tony g show this was 170 crazy to think about that we've had 170 episodes of the tony g show and it's winding down Uh, thursday is our draft special with matthew swanson tuesday is the jason finder episode and then next thursday the final episode ever just me and will mccormick so we'll see you then uh, hopefully we'll see you at the, the Norby Awards. You can watch that virtually if you're going to listen to this episode before this event commences. I don't know if there's going to be like footage of it available. I don't know if it's going to be released later or not, but I'll break down how it went on Thursday. I hope it goes good. I'll get dressed in my nice fancy uniform, fancy Tony G, coming your way. Tony G show, we're going to be back on Thursday. Will McCormick will be back for our draft special. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then here on the Tony G Show.